Welcome to the One Hope Church Podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. One of the things I loved doing with my kids when they were younger is I loved going on field trips. You've been on field trips before. I've been to a lot of places on field trips. Uh, We've done the uh, let's say we'll, we've done the Santa's Village or Santa's Shop thing in Huntsville. We, we've done the McWayne Center stuff. We've done the Georgia Aquarium where the dolphin show happens. So, you know, Pastor Scott was happy that day. And, and we've been to a lot of places, right? We've been, I've been on a lot of uh, early morning bus rides and really loud bus rides. But a lot of great memories. Now, one of the things that... Um, one of the places I enjoyed the most going to is when I went a couple hours to a place called the DeSoto Caverns. You ever been to the DeSoto Caverns? It's a beautiful place. It's a great experience. I, I recommend it. But if you haven't been there, how this works is you kind of have activities throughout the day. And, uh, but when it's your time to get, go into the caverns, you kind of line up. And, and they're like, okay, the group is here, let's start going in. And I want you to picture this, is, is you're kind of outside in this blue sky, it's a great day. The air is fresh. And you begin to, to walk in, and the deeper you get in, the darker it gets. The deeper you get in, the mustier it gets. The deeper you get, go in, the, the wetter it gets. But once you get inside there, it, they've done a really good job of just like having some lights and you kind of see the caverns. It, it kind of looks like this. You haven't been there before. So I recommend it. It's just, it's really a nice looking place. But there's a moment that really stuck out to me. Because when you get inside, everybody's kind of there. They have everybody sit in seats and they warn you. Okay, we're about to turn the lights out. Now, we've all been in rooms where the lights have been turned out before. We've been in places where there is no light. But this is an experience unlike most places when the lights turn out. See, when the lights go off, it's so dark. I remember when looking, being like, I can't see my hand. How dark does that place be that I don't even see my hand? It can be a bit eerie, maybe a little bit creepy, a a little bit unnerving for people. Honestly, I think it's kind of a neat experience, but it's not really a place that I want to spend a lot of time in because when you're in these dark places, like you can't, it feels like you're you're vulnerable, like like you can't really protect yourself. What's a person? I mean, someone could smack you, you don't see it coming. You know what I mean? They're right. You don't, you can't respond quickly. You feel a little bit vulnerable. And as I'm sitting there and I'm remembering back, I'm remembering back something that reminded me in that moment that reminder was we were not created to live and function in darkness I remember sitting there and just being like I am not made I am not created to function in what this is it was two weeks uh, a couple weeks ago we started a new conversation just a short kind of two-week conversations we're leading in to Easter. And, and I've been sharing with you, or I shared with you, 
Um, that transition, I made fun of myself, that transition from Bachelor Scott to, to Married Scott, right? And, and I appreciate it. I heard afterwards some of you had my back. You told Amber that I was good with marriage. So I appreciate when you have my back, all right? But I talked about transition from Bachelor Scott to Married Scott and talked about the areas in my life that I needed to grow because I admitted to you, I don't know if it was every guy, but, but, but women seem to be more... Um, put together at 20 years old than, than most males, or at least Scott. They're more mature, a little more sophisticated. I, I had to learn some things. And one of those growing experiences is I had to learn how to prepare when guests were coming over. That it was no longer just a, hey, the door's open, come on in situation, you know? It's not like, hey, I'm here, you can come here if you want to as well. No, the proper way to live is that when guests are coming over, you prepare because we honor the guest. There's things you do before the guest gets there, so it's a good experience for the guest. I'm learning this. I learned this early on. Easter's coming next week. We're talking about what that day is. Talking about that day. Jesus is put front and center as the guest of honor. Now, I paused last week. I'll pause this week. I don't want to be misconstrued here. It's every Sunday. Hopefully today we're doing this. Hopefully in your life, every week you're doing this. Jesus is front and center as the guest of honor. But the question I ask, is there anything we need to do in preparation as we lead up to Easter because of what he may want to do in our lives? Is there anything we need to do as we prepare for the guest of honor to come as we celebrate, as we remember what Jesus did for us so we can be ready to respond in the way that he wants to speak to us? And so last week we talked about the preparation of, we'll say those things that maybe we can see on the outside. Those things that are tangible, things that we know are going in our life. I read uh, uh, just one verse yesterday we walked through, right? It's Romans 12.1. It was, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Last week, the conversation was offer yourselves up. This is the first movement in preparing for Easter is that we need to offer everything. Don't hold back. And so we looked at things we can see that we can offer up. What does it mean to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices? Our hands, our eyes, our feet, mind, our lips, our ears, all of it is we want to be pleasing and, and, and worshipful to God as we need to give ourselves completely. How does God want to change us? And I love how we ended last week. I loved the song that Bradley and Misty brought to us, that old hymn a couple hundred years ago. Take my life. Here I am like all of me. And what I wanted you to walk away with and what I want to remind you of this week is if we begin to live life that way, it, I can't even comprehend how that changes how every day of our lives will change. Offer my bodies as living sacrifices. 
But let's move on to today. And today, I started talking about the DeSoto Caverns, right? We talk about the DeSoto Caverns, and here is why. When we are talking about preparing our lives, it's one thing to think about, talk about those things that we can see tangibly in front of us. Those things that we know that, that we use and, and are part of our life every single day. But what about the hidden places? What about the preparation of the hidden places? The deeper places that aren't always seen. Could I say the darkest places of our lives? Those places that we kind of have tucked away that we don't think about and look at very often. It's those places, and, and go with me in the analogy of, of guest and, and house, it's those places that we know are in the house, but we try to hide away. It's it's when the guest is coming over. And you don't, and you know you don't have all the time to totally prepare. So what do we do is we take the easiest way out and we tuck some of those things away where people won't see. We don't really clean up. We just push them so people don't see the mess. I know you've done this. There are things in your house right now that are tucked away. And they're there but not for other people to see. In life, sometimes we push things to places so that we hope no one sees them. The problem is, after we push them into these places, we sometimes forget where we put them, right? We forget we push these things away. We forget what's behind the, the closed door. We forget what's behind the, or under the bed. We forget what we put in the attic. We just put things away. We put them in drawers because we didn't want to see them in the moment. But we don't go back and clean up the mess. And as long as we don't see it, then we think we're good. Maybe this morning, just a simple reminder to you, just because you can't see it doesn't mean there's not a mess. Just because we act like there's not a mess doesn't mean there's not something under the surface going on. And what do we do when we find ourselves all of a sudden dealing with that mess that we thought we pushed away? All of a sudden, we open that door and things begin to fall out. How and when do we start dealing with them? Because dealing with these things can often feel very dark. Like you're in a cave and you're like, I just want to get out. And so I'm thinking this week, if we're supposed to prepare maybe even those dark places in our life, what in Scripture can talk to us about this? And I think there's a lot of places thematically through Scripture, but then I, I come up and remind of this story that, um, of a man in, in 1 Kings chapter 19. And this man, Elijah's actually in a cave. And he found himself in a cave because he was running from something. And so can I read for you this morning this dark place that Elijah found himself and God had to deal with him in 1 Kings chapter 19 it says now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say may the gods deal with me be ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. 
Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and, and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the, the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out, and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint... Okay, here's a bunch of words. If I mess them up, I mess them up, right? When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimeshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, um, from Abel. Mehalah, to succeed as, you prophet, as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Okay, it's a long story this morning. What is going on in this? Why and how did Elijah end up in this cave? If you heard of, you know Elijah, you know this is a prominent figure in the Old Testament. This is a prominent figure, I'll say, in our history. This is a prominent figure in the work of God. If you look at chapter 18, right before this, you'll see one of the most amazing stories in all the Old Testament. It's easy top three story for me. It's a story that's easy to preach. 
It's a story that's easy to see the power of God. It's a story where we see that God and the, and the God, quote unquote, gods of Baal are put to the test of who is more powerful. And what we see in chapter 18 is God does what only God can do. And he, he destroys everything that people try to put up as being powerful over the gods of Baal. He shows again that nothing compares. And Elijah does this through prayer and worship. And, 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 and we see that God works powerfully through Elijah's life. We see in Elijah's life that there is a famine in the land for three years. And God begins to speak to him. And he prays and follows God to, to get this drought taken away. God moves in Elijah's life. But then chapter 19 comes. And we all have chapter 19 in our lives. Jezebel, read her story. This is not a good woman. One of the worst. Jezebel finds out what Elijah has been doing, finds out the destruction at the expense of the other gods and worshipers of gods. And so you see her words, what she say. I vow by the end of today to do the exact same thing that you did. You are going to be destroyed. In chapter 18, Elijah sees the power of God. In chapter 19, what do we see? He's threatened by this woman, and what does he do? He runs. He runs. In one moment, life is good. In one moment, we're living in chapter 18. But then in a moment, we're in this next chapter, and it feels like things are falling apart. It feels like, what happened? I was just there. Now I'm here. And so Elijah runs, and he leaves his servant behind, and he goes, and he falls asleep under or by this bush. And God meets him there. And the first thing God does is he feeds him. He provides nourishment for him. And he goes back to sleep again. He's worn out. God feeds him again. God says, okay, you've got what you need. Now I want you to take this journey over to Mount Horeb. Which Mount Horeb um, is it, a mountain of God. It's been talked about in the Old Testament, the presence of God being on this mountain. He's going there. But where does he go? He goes and he ends up in a cave on this mountain. He, he is eaten, but he's still running. He's been taken care of uh, provisionally by God in, in, for physically, but he's still scared and he's running. And he finds himself in a cave. And he finds himself in this cave because he's scared, he is tired, he is anxious, he's overwhelmed, he doesn't know what's coming next. And he knows that Jezebel, and you see she is a woman who, who does damage. She is almost worthy to be scared of in and of herself. She is made a vow. I'm I'm going to take care of you so he's in a cave on this mountain and he's scared for his life and i look at this and i go is this just a bible thing or is this a life thing 
is chapter 18 moments and chapter 19 moments just a Bible thing? Or does it transition to our life? And I'll just tell you, you know and I know from experience, this is not just a Bible thing. It is a life thing. I personally experienced it, but then I experienced it through other people. I'm sitting in my office this week, Monday morning. Actually, the last thing before I went and did the COVID thing at home. Last thing Monday morning, I'm sitting in my office. And someone has called me. Scott, can I come by the office? I said, yeah, come on. 10 o'clock, let's go. Someone who I've highly respected my whole time being here at the church. Someone who God is using her to do ministry and work in other people's life through her life. Someone who I know is trying to follow who, uh, who God's created her to be and do work that, that God's called her to do. And she's sitting in my office and she's just weeping. She is crying. She is just pouring out because something in her life that she thought would have been taken care of. She thought she had learned the lessons. She thought she had done that she had walked through the pain and the suffering, something that she had pushed to the past, all of a sudden went from this place of being gone to rising on the surface. It was almost as if years ago she had put it away in a closet, she had pushed it down in her life, she thought she was done with it, and now it's rising to the surface, and she is totally overwhelmed. And in one day, she goes from chapter 18 to chapter 19. In one day, she goes from a, hey, life is what life is and is good, to she's now sitting in my office weeping because of the pain that the darkness that's come up, it's almost that she She's in a cave in this moment of I'm scared or I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how to handle this. And we spend time talking. We spend time working through some of the nuances. And I'm a very loving pastor. I'm not a great counselor, but I'm reminding of her of the truths that we know for her life. And as I'm sitting there, I'm being reminded once again that just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you won't wrestle with dark moments in your life. Whoever tries to convince us that we just saying, hey, Jesus, I give my life to you. You're the answer for my salvation, which means I'll never wrestle with dark cave moments in my life are lying to you because life is real, pain is real, we make decisions, other people make decisions, and Jesus is very clear that in this world, we're going to have troubles. The question is never, will I have cave moments? Will I have dark moments? It, it, the question is, will I not feel these things or experience these things? The question is going to be, how do I walk through these very specific moments that I am dealing with. And I want to tell you that in one message, I cannot make up for the years of pain. I cannot make up for 
all the th reasons that got you into this moment, but I can look at the story of Elijah and I can say my number one piece of advice so that we, when we end up in these caves, these dark places in our life, is that we need to create space for two things, God's presence and his voice to be real to us. That we need to have moments in our life where we have God's presence and his voice to not be something that's just talked about by other people, not just something that Pastor Scott speaks about on Sunday morning, that become very real in our life. Verse 12. Verse 12 tells us that God wasn't in the earthquake. God wasn't in the wind. God wasn't in the fire in this moment. Where was God? In a gentle whisper. In this whisper, God's presence is there because he tells them, hey, get up. And he goes to the mouth of the cave. And God meets him there. And I'll tell you, God didn't meet him there in an over-the-top I'm going to make it very clear. It's a wow. It's an overwhelming. God, you're here. God met him with this gentle voice, but his presence was also very real. Elijah found himself listening to God. Elijah allowed himself to be open to the presence of God, and his ear was turned to God that he allowed the voice to begin to lead him out of the dark place that he personally found himself in. He found himself listening to the voice of God and, and this gentle whisper pulled him out of the darkness of the cave to the mouth of the cave. And I want to pause here for a second because I could be very confusing here that I could tell you to get out of the dark and heavy moment in your life, all you have to do is hear the voice of God and then he'll come out. But I'll tell you, it doesn't always just happen just like that. I don't want to be discouraging or even feel like I'm speaking in a way that is not helpful to you. That if you just listen to the voice of God and in this moment, the thing will be taken away and then you can move on. It's not always like that. No, I believe God can work miracles in that moment. I believe God has worked miracles that quickly. But more than anything this morning, what I'm saying is... Maybe allowing the voice of God and the presence of God to be real is exactly what you need because you're giving him a chance in a way you never have before. When you give God a chance, you can hear his gentle whisper. You can allow his presence to come in. And then what happens is, is now he can walk through life with you. He can walk through you with life to get you in the presence of, say, a right counselor that can walk you through the dark places. That he can walk through you to get you in with the right relationships away from people who are hurting you into the people who can bring life to you. That maybe when God walks through life with you, that, that I, will, I, will, 
I'll put in front of you that sometimes it's okay that medicine can be the thing that helps us walk through those worst times in our life. That maybe God wants to walk through life with us so we can be in the right accountability with people so that we hear the truths, not the lies. The, the woman who comes to my office, I didn't bring a lot to her because she knew everything that I was going to say, but sometimes just hearing it and sometimes being held accountable to, this is the truth, this is a lie, and sometimes we forget those things. This is what we need, and so God walks through you to say, here who you need to be with in life. Sometimes that's the miracle from God. But let me tell you, we need to let him help us in specific places like this, the darkness of anxiety and depression is real in our life. We don't have to live in shame and guilt as a follower of Jesus, I still struggle with anxiety and depression. I'll remind you, we live in a broken and fallen world, which means broken and fallenness is all around us. We will not be a church that does not allow us to own that life is difficult and sometimes we feel overwhelmed. Sometimes we get into this, this, this darkness of depression that we don't know what to do. But we also won't be the church that says we won't allow God to walk through this with us because we were not created to live and function in that darkness. So we need to give God a chance. That sometimes we need to allow God to be with us in the darkness of insecurities. You may be sitting in here this morning and you are completely doubting your identity in yourself of like, God, I don't know who I am. I don't know who you created me to be. Like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what tomorrow brings. Like, I don't, I'm trying to figure myself out here. Who would you create me to be in this world? I'm insecure because I may not be good as other people and what they're doing. God, God you, I, I don't quite have a grasp on who I am as a person, and this feels like a dark, dark place. And so instead of running away from this, we allow God to walk in this with us, and he can bring clarity, he can bring truth, he can bring the security and the identity and the hope that we can't find in ourselves. But the problem is, is when we find ourselves in the darkness of these places, we run away from versus saying, God, will you whisper your voice of truth to me? Will you bring your presence to me? We don't come to the mouth of the cave and go, God, I can't figure this out by myself because I am insecure. I don't know quite how to live through this life the way you called me to, so I need you to walk through that with me. We need to allow him to walk through the darkness of past pains and hurts. This is where this woman's sitting in my office. Something happened years ago, and she thought she was done. But you know darkness creeps up in times when we're most vulnerable. Times when um, I think the enemy actually uses past things when, when stuff happens in life and, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? You had that moment? I'm still hurting because of things done to me in the past. Things that happened in the past. 
And I won't go into the conversation she and I had, but one of the things I looked at her and said, I said, you can't solve this deeply spiritual issue with worldly uh, problem-solving, fixing. I said it better than that. (laughs) You can't solve a spiritual problem with worldly things. What you're looking for, as trite as it may sound, is going to be in Jesus, but you are looking for something that no one can ever give you. We have pains. We have hurts. And we sometimes try to solve them with world solutions. And I'm telling you, it's never going to work. Stop running to those things and let God walk you through this however he deems possible. But he can't walk you through it if you won't listen to that gentle voice, that voice of love, that voice of care. His presence will take you into these places. This is why he gives us the Holy Spirit. But I'll be honest, sometimes we find ourselves in caves in darkness because of areas of our neglect you know sometimes we're our own problem we want to point the finger somewhere else why we're angry why we're upset why we found ourselves in a mess and sometimes it's because we've neglected places we know we shouldn't be neglecting simple god i don't feel your presence in my life are you real are you here Are you in his word? Are you praying? Are you worshiping? Are you actually slowing down? And we go, God, what is wrong with you? Where are you? And he's like, where am I? Where are you? I'm here. There are disciplines in our life that we are neglecting, that we know we should be living out. There are areas of responsibilities that we have in life that we are not living out. And we end up in caves, we end up in places that it's our own fault. It's our own fault we found ourselves in the cave. And we need to say, God, help me, walk through me, be more disciplined, to take my responsibilities um, uh, more, more passionately, that we need to not neglect the things that we know we should be doing. And maybe the last one is also along this line is the darkness because of sin. We can be passionate about God and still not be perfect and have sin in our life. We can come to church, we can be in small groups, we can serve and we can worship and still have areas of our life where we're like, this is a dark place because I've not surrendered it to God. Sometimes darkness is due to other people. Sometimes darkness is because of ourselves. But maybe instead of running and trying to hide, we will give God a chance when we find ourselves in those dark places. Elijah's not the only one. And I won't go into his whole story, but we see that um, King David in the Psalms, he finds himself in these dark places from time to time, if you read these Psalms. And he's very emotive in how he uh, talks through it. I'll read with you one thing he asked God for when he was in his dark place. And I thought it was really good. He's Psalm 51. He says, Create in me a pure heart. Oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take the Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. 
What a great thing to ask. God, restore to me the joy of my salvation and then help me sustain as I walk through this life. That I want you to help me in this dark place. Help me when I'm scared. Help me when I'm overwhelmed. Help me when I'm un under it in a deep place help me when I'm in the cave and restore and sustain and I want to be reminded of how great you are and how great your salvation is God shows up always in the Old Testament over and over and over again but God also shows up in the New Testament and the greatest way he shows up is by setting Jesus he shows up all the time in the Old Testament, but he shows up in the biggest way possible by sending Jesus. And he sends Jesus so we can be in his, so those people could be in his presence. And then he sends the Holy Spirit so we continue to be in his presence. Because as I said at the beginning, we weren't created, and we weren't created to live and function in darkness. We need Jesus. But I'll tell you, we'll continue to live in that darkness as long as we decide to run versus lean into the presence and voice of Jesus. Which is why sometimes I think it's important that we stop and we take communion. We stop to take communion because we remind ourselves of what Jesus did. But can I remind you this morning, look at me. The cross that Jesus died on was not just for our salvation. The cross that Jesus died on was for him to have victory over evil and death completely. And our victory over evil and death is also found on that cross through Jesus. And we sometimes we need to be reminded of that. And that we can run to a lot of things. But what if we would run to his voice and his presence where he calls us out of the cave and just says, come to the mouth of the cave. How that story ends is once he gets to the mouth of the cave, you, did you get what he said to him, Elijah? In so many words, Elijah, you're not the only one. There are still more people who haven't bowed to Baal. So stop living in this cave. I've still got more for you. He didn't, God didn't say, I'll stop Jezebel and what she's trying to do. Sometimes life continues on and things can be against us. But God also says, you're not alone in it. Keep doing what I've called you to do. So I'm not gonna take away anything that you may be carrying this morning. I'm gonna invite you into the presence of God. I'm gonna invite you into hearing the gentle voice of God because he will walk through because he still has more for you. You can't stop now. Elijah couldn't stop. God still had more for him. So we can balance these two things. Difficulties, caves, and the victory in Jesus. And it's found, I believe, in the cross.
So if you're a follower this morning and we're going to worship, I'm going to invite you to pause, take a moment, and just kind of breathe in the presence of God and maybe allow him to speak something to you. And, and, and when you're ready, take communion. But I want to be on your time because it, it is valuable sometimes that we take it all together, but I find even more valuable that we collectively say, I want to hear the voice of God in this moment. The altars are always open. And you can worship as you want to worship. But give God a chance. Now, if you're that person that doesn't believe in Jesus, or has walked away, or has become hard because of maybe the dark place, will you say, Jesus, I need you to speak into this place? And the first thing we do is, I give you my life so you can speak into those places. Forgive me for my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me for exact things like this. And I'll encourage you in this moment just to give your life to Jesus and then you take communion with us as well. But his body is broken for you. His blood poured out for you. Not just for salvation, but for everything we need victory over death and evil from. So Heavenly Father, we take this moment reminding ourselves of who you are. You came and you died and you rose again so that you could do for us what you were doing for Elijah. So help us, whatever we're carrying, whatever cave we're in, is to open ourselves to your voice so we can come to the mouth of the cave and your presence can be with us. Because where your presence is, everything is changed. God, as we take communion today, may we celebrate everything you did for us by sending Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.